You're visiting the mom next door and our stories of faith. I'm glad you dropped by for a visit. Please stay a while and hear what the Lord has done in the lives of moms just like you and me. You are going to be blessed by this interview with this most precious guest. But before you listen to it with your children next to you, I do suggest that you listen through it at least once as there is mention of abuse and suicide. But don't despair, because this is the story of hope and overcoming. And let's begin. Well, hello, and welcome to the Mom Next Door Stories of Faith. Can I tell you a bit of my history about why I started the podcast? Well, there's this women's retreat that I go to annually. I've been going for about 16 years, and my favorite part of the weekend is testimony time. Because even though Bible study is awesome and memorizing God's word is powerful, prayer is effectual, there's just something about hearing the testimony of a life transformed that inspires me. That even though our stories may not be the same, I can see the transformation and the saving power in someone's story. And I'm reminded of our God who is faithful. I can trust him. My friend, Crystal Lloyd, has been my guest here on the podcast, and she now has her own called No More Running. And she, after interviewing my next guest, immediately sent me a message and said, Pam, you have got to meet Sandra. She has the best story and your your listeners will be encouraged. And so here we are, Sandra Jones, welcome here into my virtual living room. I want to hear what the Lord has done in your life. So just take it away. Well, thank you for having me. I guess my first question to everyone would be, have you ever found yourself in a prison of abuse, alcohol, adultery, lying, thieving? Because that's where I found myself for 40 plus years. You know, I was I was a victim. I will say that's how it started of childhood sexual molestation, but I'm not a victim now because I am a victor because of my father. Yes. To start back at the beginning so that we know what my Jesus did, I had been a, a victim of childhood sexual abuse. And that was something that I had put down deep down in my soul for 40 something years. I just locked it away right there. And by the time that I turned 16 years old, I was giving birth to my first child. By the time I was 32 years old, I was ending my third marriage. A few years go down the road, I meet my next husband. We are in the middle of our marriage. Our girls have graduated high school. They have left home. I was in a job that I hated Mm. and my marriage was falling apart. Mm. And all I could do was just see the end of it coming through taking my life. Mm -hmm. I wanted all the lies that I had been fed all these years. You know, those lies of you will never be good enough for anyone to love you. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody is going to care for you because you're damaged goods. Mm -hmm. How do you think any man is ever going to want you? Look at what you did in your childhood, you know. And all of that just kept coming and coming. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is all true. 
You know, you've mm. had this many broken marriages. This one is fixing to end. How could this not be the truth? Mm. So I believed every one of those lies that the enemy kept telling me. And the only solution that I could see was taking my life. Mm. So in the middle of my bedroom floor one night with a gun in my hand, that's that's where I was. And I was screaming out and I won't sit here and say that I was screaming out, you know, for God to save me because mm -hmm. I really wasn't. I was just screaming out, wanting somebody to to hear me I, more than anything. I was really wanting a solution and an answer to if you're going to kill yourself with a gun, where do you put the gun? Mm. That was really yeah. my question. And it was at that moment that I literally heard God speak and say, not now. Mm. Now you are at a place where I can heal you, where I can use you. And it was just like this peace fell over me. It was those chains started breaking. Now, I won't sit here and tell you that those chains broke off and I jumped up, you know, and I was Wonder Woman and they all mm -hmm. fell off and everything was perfect because it wasn't. But it was the start of that first chain link to fall off. And I will say, even in over the years of giving my testimony, I have realized that it took me another four years from that moment to go through those chains being broken. And I knew that at that moment, that the next thing that I had to do was I had to tell my husband what had happened in my lifetime. Mm. I had to share with my girls, with my family, why my life had been on the road it had been on. The thing that had started it was on the man that, that took abuse of me. Mm -hmm. That was not mine. But the choices that I had made through my life, that road that I had gone down, those were my choices. And I had to own the responsibility of those. But I had to find in my heart where I could forgive that man that had started that downfall. Mm -hmm. And by that time, he had been dead and gone for many, many years. Mm -hmm. So one day at my dining room table with my Bible open and more tears than anybody should be able to shed, all of that anger, all of that hatred, all of that unforgiveness, it all had to come out. So with that empty chair in front of me, and my father holding my hand through that whole situation, every bit of it poured out that day. Mm. One more of those chain links broke off. Mm. But like I say, it didn't just happen overnight. You know, it took time. I had to process everything that the enemy had been feeding to me. You know, all of those lies, I had to get back in to the word and know where my father was sending me and see the promises that he had made to me, the answers mm -hmm. that he, he was giving to me so that whenever the enemy still came against me and was saying, this is not going to last. You're just playing another game. Nobody, you know, is still going to love you. I had to go, no, this is what my father tells me right here. I can mm -hmm. stand on this promise right here. 
you have no authority over me any longer. Mm -hmm. You were doing battle. It was. It was a battle from the very beginning. And there are still, I will say, times today that, you know, the enemy, something will trigger in my mind and the enemy, here he comes. Mm -hmm. But I know now exactly where I can go and I can, you know, basically put my hand up and say, no, you have to stop right there. Mm. Because that is not what my father tells me. Mm. And so that's where that's where we started. That was the whole, you know, start of all of my downfall, but then all that lifting back up. Mm. Did you have some sort of foundation of faith? You know, um, you you gave us a little glimpse of your home life, but did you have church or or people of faith around you so that when you had that moment where you felt the Lord speak to you and say, not now, you knew it was him? Well, I did. Okay. I was raised in, my dad was a church of Christ. My mother was a Methodist and we went to the little Baptist church because okay. what we had in our little community. Okay. So, I, I tell everybody, you know, I had been baptized, I had been sprinkled, I had been dunked and prayed over, you know, <laughs> but I had an aunt and uncle that were Methodist pastors. Okay. And she poured into me my whole life. She poured mm. into me, you okay. know, I knew it was there and I had been in and out of church off and on my whole life. I had that religious side of a relationship with my father. Okay. You know, I knew the, the vacation Bible school studies. I knew the Sunday school classes, you know, I knew what that said, but I had never really connected and formed a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. But that night, whenever he stepped down and picked me up, I knew exactly who was talking to me. Mm. There was no mm -hmm. doubt of who it was. And that's mm -hmm. what I say. He he reached down in the middle of all of my garbage. Mm -hmm. I had thrown out in that floor that night. Yeah. And that's when he wrapped his arms around me. And mm. I truly believe that when you have that true one-on-one -on -one encounter with him, mm -hmm. you know exactly who it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We do a, a large street ministry and prison ministry. And I see that, you know, I see these men and women that, that have had no kind of relationship. You know, they've had people come in and speak over them and, and you know, do a message, but to have a relationship, they don't. Mm -hmm. But then it takes just that one time mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they know exactly whose arms just wrapped around them. So mm -hmm. that, that is how my foundation was. Now, yeah. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. Um, had you before that ever thought about God as a father? Because it sounds like you, like that was the moment when he became not just God, but, you know, like God, not just God, the creator of the universe and the guy that's in control of stuff but the loving, caring, pursuing, protecting God, who is your father. And no, I did not, not until that night. 
because beforehand, as I say, you know, it had been taught, you know, this is God, he's way up here. We Mm -hmm. really can't approach him, you know, Mm -hmm. um, He's sitting there, if you're making mistakes, you know, with the yardstick, you know, going to pop your hands, that type of thing. You know, I had that religious view of who God was. Yeah. But it wasn't until that night that he became my father. Yeah. Truly knew. He was my savior then. He was, you know, he was my saving grace because had it not Mm -hmm. been for him to reach down that night, I wouldn't be here today to talk to you. Yeah. And so that is the very moment that that truly started for me. And so as you do the street ministry and prison ministry, I bet you see that a lot where people have had some comprehension of the logical or um, written on paper God, but not the relationship for God, the father. And so how is it that you minister to them and and listen to their stories and and teach them? Can you teach us if there's a, a gal listening and thinking, you know, that actually kind of sounds like my life. Um, but what she experienced sounds like what I need. What I tell them all the time is I want them to see their selves as he sees them. Mm-hmm. You know. I always ask the girls, especially, what what was it you, when you were a little girl? What did you want to be? Mm-hmm. What was that goal you had in your life? What was that desire you had in your life? You know, and they will tell me whatever it is in their life, but that can never happen now because of the choices I've made or the places I've been. How could he love me? Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's when we go through and I just want them to see how he sees them, to see the promises that he has made in his mm-hmm. world. You know, um, he doesn't see those choices that we've made. Now, do we have to come before him with those choices that we made and lay them all out? By all means, we do. Right. You know, we we have to bring that garbage to his feet so that mm-hmm. he can clean us up. But those mm-hmm. desires, those goals that you had whenever you were little, those were put there by him. Mm-hmm. You know, those those were there before you ever opened your eyes on this earth. Those mm-hmm. were things that he instilled in you, the gifts that he's given to you, those passions that you like to do, those things that you like to do. Those were all from him. And now he's got you at a point where he can get your attention. He can sit and talk to you and you can listen to what he's telling you. And those desires, those goals are going to, they're going to start bubbling back up. Those passions are going to start bubbling back up and he's going to start opening those doors. And you're going to see yourself as a different person because you are. You're not what the world tells you you are. You're not what the enemy tells you you are. You are what our father tells you you are. And that's going to be a different story for every person because we are individual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I tell them all the time, you know, I'm his favorite. I have a (laughs) friend and she used to tell me that all the time. And at first I was like, well, that's a little bit arrogant, you know? And then I thought, no, I get it. I am Mm -hmm. his favorite. 
your mm-hmm. history is like crying on a little black dress and you try that one on and you say, oh my gosh, this is my favorite. And then you try the next dress on and you're like, no, this is my favorite. And we're all his favorites. We're all right there. He just wants to pick us up. He mm-hmm. just wants us to say, I'm ready. Just, mm-hmm. just pick me up right here. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen these girls that have been addicted and they don't, they don't know how to come off the drugs. They don't know how to, to quit going back to the drugs. And I see so many of them and they will just raise their arms up and they'll say, you know, Father, I don't know how to quit, but I'm asking you to take the desire for the drug away from me. Mm. That is what we have to do. We've got to say, Father, whatever our addiction may be, and it can be mm. anything. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, that whatever lies that we're still believing, lift them up to him and say, Father, I just want you to take that desire that I have for believing these lies, that desire I have for whatever this addiction is, take that away from me mm-hmm. so that I can grow in you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Open his word and talk to me. Yeah. And you were at that point in your life where that happened, total submission. Yes, yes. Whenever, you know, like I say, it it didn't happen just immediate. And, you know, but yes. And the more that I brought the garbage to his feet, the more remembrance I would have of, oh my gosh, I did do that. And that I should not have done that. And I lay it at his feet and I'm like, how, how do I go about, what do I do now with this? And every time I would lay another one of those things at his feet, the more submission to him, the more control I -hmm. gave to him over my life. Yeah. And that's, I think that is one thing that we have so much trouble with is that little word control. Mm, Because we we are so in control of everything and we're not Mm. in control of anything. And the more that we submit to him, the more that we lay at his feet, the more that we don't even have to try and act like that we have control of stuff because he's going to open that door for us. He's going to say, I need you to go right here. You know, that season that he puts you right there, it may be for one day or it may be 10 years. Mm. You know, and again, even in doing that, even in serving him, we have to be willing to submit to him and say, okay, I've been doing women's ministry, you know, for 15 years. Father, I don't want to quit doing this. And he's saying, but it's time. That season is over. I need you to move over here. And we've got to submit to that and say, okay, I'm willing to do that. Yeah. And, but we get caught up in that a lot of times, again, because of the control issue, you know, Mm -hmm. and it, we just, we have to lay it right there and say, and I know that's easy to say, just lay it at his feet. But whenever we actually do, and I mean, just be raw and honest with him. You know, you don't have to come to him with some elaborate, you know, prayer. You don't have to come with some elaborate language to use. Be open and honest with him. If you're mad about something, then yell and scream at him and let him be the one to reach down and say, okay, I've got you. 
we, we're going to get through this. If you're going through a grieving period, bring that grief to him, whatever it is. Bring it to him before you get on Facebook or before you, you know, you call your best friend, go to him first. Well, he knows it anyway. It's just we're we're almost just lying to ourselves, right? If we're not willing to to talk to him about the true things in our heart, he knows them. And and we're just thinking that we're operating in a different reality. You know, we it, it's we're confusing ourselves. You know, I always go back to the blind beggar. He's screaming out, you know, son of David, have mercy on me. And what did Jesus do? He stopped and he asked him, what is it you want me to do for you? I mean, Jesus already knew that the man was blind. Mm -hmm. He knew he wanted his sight back. But what did he do? He stopped and he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? It's the same thing he's doing to us. You know, we come to him with all of this stuff. And we're rattling, rattling, rattling. And he's standing there going, so what is it you want me to do? You know, what do you want me to do for you? Tell him. Tell him my heart's been broken. These They hurt me. Tell him that. I'm mad about this. Tell him. Whatever mm -hmm. it is, you can speak it to him. It's mm -hmm. not anything that he hasn't already heard. It's not anything that he doesn't already know. It's just like you said, we think we're keeping it to ourselves that, you know, we've got the market cornered on that. We don't. There is nothing that we do say, think or feel that he doesn't know about. So why not just be open and honest with him? Mm -hmm. you know? And that's one thing that he's that he really has taught me is to be very transparent. Mm -hmm. Don't try to be something that I'm not. He has called me in a specific area to minister. You know, he gives me the words that I need to say. And so don't try to stand up there and be something that I'm not because that's mm -hmm. going to fail because mm -hmm. it's not of him. He brought me through that part of my story. We got mm -hmm. that. And I tell everybody, it's like watching a movie. You get the first 15 minutes of your movie, you know, and you learn who the characters are and the base of the story. Right. And by the time you, you know, you've gotten through the middle part, you already know what the end is, kind of. You know, I know where I'm going, so I'm not worried about that. But it's that middle part. You know, it's kind of like they talk about the dash on your headstone. It's that middle part. Mm -hmm. What are you doing right there? This over here, we know where God found us. That's where he picked us up in all that garbage. We know that. And if we have truly came into a relationship with him, we know what the end's going to be, that we're going to spend eternity with him. But what are you doing in this middle part? Uh -huh. You know, that's the part I want to know. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about what he did. You know, uh -huh. he's given me a voice for ones that can't speak for themselves. And he has given me a love in my heart for the people that others have forgotten. And I guess that's why I'm so strongly pulled toward prison ministry and street ministry. Mm -hmm. Because so many times those people are forgotten. Mm -hmm. And he has not forgotten them. Mm -hmm. you know, we have seen so many successful stories come up out of an offender or someone on the street where God has reached down in their garbage and picked them up and used them. 
and what they are doing now. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to miss any of that. Mm -hmm. Well, I hear it often said that the place of your greatest pain becomes your greatest ministry. And I know when I heard you speak on Crystal's podcast, you said that um, you were living in a self-inflicted prison. And so I think you weren't, didn't actually serve time behind bars, but you recognize that state. And I would love for you to tell me a little bit more about what you mean by living in a self-inflicted prison. Well, I can walk into any prison unit anywhere and they've got four walls around them with, you know, razor wire sharp up here. Mm -hmm. At some point in time, 90% of those people are going to get up and they are going to walk up out of that prison. Mm -hmm. But whenever you have taken something like my sexual abuse and you have buried it down so deep, in your soul, and you've never spoken those words to mm. anyone, you just then lock the cell door on yourself. Mm. You put yourself in a prison that it gives the enemy the opportunity to come in and say, you're never going to be loved. Mm -hmm. You'll never be good. You're, you're damaged property. Go ahead and take that next drink. Nobody cares. Mm -hmm. You know, because I look for the answers at the bottom of a bottle. Mm -hmm. I did not find them there, but I sure looked for them there. Mm -hmm. You know, I had marital affairs. So I went through adultery because the enemy was telling me that man doesn't really love you. He's just using you. you know, mm -hmm. That's what I mean by self-inflicted prison. Mm -hmm. Because that was a prison that I did not know how to walk up out of. Mm -hmm. And I could not do it by myself. I could try being good. I could try going through this marriage and having a loving husband. You know, I could try doing the work and being the very best I was at my work. Mm -hmm. But none of it was ever good enough. Mm -hmm. It always all came back to that just believing the lies and thinking, okay, I just saw that prison door close again, close mm -hmm. again. You know, every time he would speak to me, that's what I could see is that mm -hmm. door closing on me. And there was no mm -hmm. way out of it that I mm -hmm. could see you know, right. until that night. It's mm -hmm. like you, when you locked yourself in, it was kind of like you surrendered the key too and allowed the enemy to hold the key. And at that moment, um, it's like Jesus is like, no, he doesn't get the key anymore. I, I, I've got a duplicate and his is now not functional. I've got the key. She's going to be released and she's going to walk with me. It was. I mean, it was because I had just put myself in that prison and it wasn't because I had never submitted to God. Mm -hmm. That was the whole thing. That was where that key came from. It was when that night, whenever I was just willing to end it all, to stop all of it, that God said, now she's ready to submit to me. Mm -hmm. Now I can step down and I can pick her up. And those lies are going to be gone because now she can hear me before I couldn't hear him. Mm -hmm. You know, because the enemy was so loud. There was so much background noise from the enemy that I couldn't hear God, even if he was speaking to me, because mm -hmm. I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. I wasn't willing 
to let go of the lies the enemy was feeding to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, that fell in that road of those choices that I was making. You know, mm-hmm. it had nothing with God not being right there where he's always been. You know, mm-hmm. he was just waiting on me to say, I need you. And I, I was screaming out that night and more to him than what I even realized because mm-hmm. I had never been able to really hear him. Like mm-hmm. I said, I had been taught, you know, the Bible classes. I had been taught how to sit in, in church, but never who he was. I wonder while this was all going on, if this was seen by other people, you know, did you go to church, raise your children in church? Would somebody sitting in the pew next to you be like, there's something going on, there's something not right? Or, you know, were you? No, because I could pray very well. Okay. So that's what I was, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at you. Our audience only is listening to this interview, but I'm looking at you right now in a beautiful home, beautiful hair and makeup. And I'm just thinking, I can't imagine this woman, um, having that in her history. And if I see you now, I would never guess that that was your past. And so I'm kind of wondering, you know, if people that were in your community, in your life, knew that there was that much pain and struggle. And the reason I ask is because I would guess that most of the women that are listening are not or have not spent physical time in prison, yet they are walking in a self-inflicted prison like you talked about. And, And I think that we need to maybe own this and recognize that it's not just the girl that I see it might actually be us. And there might be a sister in our community that we don't see it, but it's there. And how can we be a better friend? How can we be a better pew mate or nobody uses pews anymore, but you know, how can we live in community to recognize and minister to one another through like the unseen? We just don't, we just don't realize the heartache that exists. I could sit and play the part of who I needed to be at the time. Mm -hmm. And so no, nobody knew what had happened. Nobody knew the pain that I was going through because that was locked in that prison cell. Right. And now whenever, well, whenever God called me to start speaking and I told him, I said, I have nothing whatsoever in common and to give to the church ladies, nothing, you know, that's not the group of people that I minister to. How do you expect me to do this? And very clearly, he just told me there are as many broken women sitting in my churches every Sunday as there is inside those prisons and on those streets. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I have found the women in the churches are scared. Mm. They are scared to open up. They're scared to to bring it forward because are they going to be talked about on social media? Are they going to be the topic of gossip? Because Mm -hmm. did you hear what so-and-so, you know, they don't feel safe in their own church homes. And that Mm. breaks my heart because every time that I speak, I will have 
two to three women that will come up to me and they will say, you just got through telling my story. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm 50, 60, 70 years old. And that same thing happened to me, but I've never talked to anybody about it. Can I talk to you? Mm. So that's what I am seeing is that our women don't feel safe. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we have to make a change on that. We've mm-hmm. got to create a safe place for our women that are there every Sunday, that mm. if they are going through this, if they have found themselves in that prison, that they know that they can come and that they can talk to someone. And it's not going to be broadcast all over everywhere mm-hmm. that they are going to be able to break down. They're going to be able to pick up the phone and call you and say, I just need somebody to listen to me or send mm-hmm. you a text and just say, I'm having a really rough day. We start praying over me. And whenever we on the other end of that say that, yes, we will do that. Do it. Don't mm-hmm. just say it, you know, but yeah. if you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, then you pray for them. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in praying boldly. You know, mm-hmm. when I go before my father, I'm not going to go to him and say, well, God, if it's your will, will you just do this for them? No, if somebody reaches out to me, I want to take that to him exactly in the pain that they're in right then. Because if they have put enough into me that they've asked me to pray for them, the very least I can do is go straight to him with whatever burden mm-hmm. that they have laid on them. Because mm-hmm. those prison walls have got to be broken down. We have got to find a safe harbor for our women. We just do. Mm-hmm. And those prison walls and those secrets and that feeling of distrust and not safe are actually tactics of the enemy, right? We don't battle against the physical right here. Like this is the enemy hoping to keep it secret and the devil delights in darkness. And I really feel like he continues to oppress us. Like these bad things happen. There was trauma. You're living in stress. Um, There's whatever going on. And if the enemy can convince us to shut up and sit down, then he's kind of got control of us still. Right. And so if instead we are vulnerable and reach out to share our own stories, to reach out, to ask for help. It brings it, takes it out of the darkness and brings it into light. And there, once it's in the light, I mean, things grow in the light, right? Like is in a good way. Like the Lord uses that at this point in your life, when there was that transformation, the Lord began to grow it and to bring healing to you. And not only that, a healing that was multiplied so that you could minister to other women. And that is so true because for a a span there, my daughters and I, we found ourselves homeless. We were in my truck and then we moved into my brother's dining room. So everything we owned was in a small little dining room, but I can reach out to those ladies because I understand where they're at. I know what they're going through. And that's why it is so important for all of us. In your small groups, share your story. 
You know, if it's yeah. once a month, have a testimony time, but share your stories because you never know when that lady that's been sitting next to you all these years, she is going through the same thing that you have just gone through, but she will never know, you know, where you found your peace, where you, you know, where he wrapped his arms around you at, mm -hmm. if you don't share that. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that he showed me is, because there, when I first started speaking, it, that's all it was, was just sharing my testimony. And I had been asked to come speak and to do it. And I was like, I don't want to tell my story again. You know, I was mm -hmm. like, Father, let me talk about something else. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know what? This is not your story to tell. This is my story that you're telling because it mm -hmm. is. It's the history of Jesus Christ. It is exactly what he did in the lives of people whenever he was here physically. It's mm -hmm. what he's doing in people's lives every single day. It is mm -hmm. what he did in mine. And it's what he wants to do in someone else's if they will just let him. Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. whenever we are, we're scared to share our story, just ask him, Father, how do I do this? How do I bring about where I can share maybe just a little bit, just a little tidbit to start off. But it will open up that conversation mm -hmm. because if we're willing to be obedient in that right there, believe me, he will give you the opportunity to share it to the ladies that need to hear it so that mm -hmm. they can open up and say, I've experienced that same thing or I'm going through it right now. Thank you for sharing with me because now I know where I can go. I know what promises I can stand on. Mm -hmm. You know, I know what to listen to from him so that I'm not hearing those lies anymore. Mm -hmm. And isn't it beautiful the way the Lord does that? Because um, he does connect people to each other and you can walk through things together. So here you are, you think you've got this thing you're dealing with. You think you're the only one and you could never share. And then when you do, he uses your story, brings light, but not only that, it's not only a giving out, he fills you up and it's oh. like, well, thank you, Lord. Um, the blessing that comes back to you by being in that position of vulnerable and, and sharing. And so you have given me a really great challenge today. You've encouraged my heart and, um, to press in maybe even a little bit more to my own story and to share a little bit more. And I, I just thank you for the ministry that you are doing with women online, as you speak, the different places you go, and then in person, in prison and on the street. So um, I know you don't have a book yet. Maybe in the future, we'll have something going, but you have a website and you're on some social media platforms. So will you tell me about those? Yes, you can find me at sandrajonespeaks.com or on Facebook at sandrajonespeaks or on Instagram, it's SJS Speaks 24. Okay. So, uh, but any one of those, you can reach out to me at any time. If there is a lady that is sitting in this audience today and there is anything that I have said that has related to her that she can, you know, 
say, I, I need more information on this, they can always feel free to contact me at any time, day or night, because the Father has given me a word to speak. He has given me a platform to speak it on. And I know it is not just for me to stand up there and have something to say, but there is someone out there that these words need to reach. And mm -hmm. if he will use me to do that, I am there 24 seven mm -hmm. so that they can reach back out and I will walk with them through anything. It makes me no difference because we've got to be there for one another. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we have to be transparent. We have to be open. We have to be loving. We've got to be obedient to where he has called us. There is nothing better in this world than whenever you look into the face of a woman and you can look in her eyes and see that she just realized how much the father loves her. Mm. Now he sees her compared to what the world's telling her she is. Mm. And that that is my number one goal in this life is to see that look on women's faces that mm -hmm. never thought they would be loved. Mm. Well, I believe you. And you have such a presence that it just is encouraging. And I know ladies are going to want to reach out and connect with you. I will put the, the links to all of your places directly in the show notes. So if you just go down to this episode description and find the words, there will be some links there. Simple click away because I know you might be busy in the car, doing your laundry, whatever it is. I would also like to invite you ladies to come over and join me in the Tending Fields Moms Group on Facebook, where we pray for one another and and there are days of some real vulnerability there. We're building a community where we can minister to each other and encourage each other in the practical things of life, the fields of our home being the ministries, motherhood, marriage, laundry, like all the things. So I would welcome you there to join me. And Sandra, as we go out and close this time up today, I wonder if you would just pray for all of us. It would just bless our hearts. I would love to. Dear Father God, we come to you right now, Father. And Father, I am not asking, but I am thanking you. I'm thanking you for the opportunity that you've given us today. But I am thanking you for every every woman that is sitting there today, Father, listening to this, Father, that you will reach down and the, the work that you've already begun in their hearts, Father. Father, open their eyes that they will see themselves like you see them. Father, do not let the lies of the enemy, do not let the world seep into them and make them believe that they are any less than what you created them to be. Those passions that you instilled in them before you ever created them, Father, bring those back to life, Father. Set a fire up in them, Father God, that they will know who you are. And whenever you stop and you ask them, what is it you want me to do for you, Father, that they will be able to bloom open and tell you exactly what their passion is, what they want to do, Father God, and that those doors will open for them, Father, that any chains that are still on them, that they will be broken and removed, Father, and that they will find a safe spot 
that they know that they can open up. They're not going to be judged for anything that's been in their past, Father God, but they will just see the love of you coming through their sisters, Father God. It doesn't matter if it's, as she, Pam said, if it's in our day of doing laundry or if it is standing on a stage somewhere, Father God, that the words that we share are words that are coming directly from you. Father, I thank you for who you are, not for the things that you do for us, but just simply because of who you are. And Father, give us the opportunity to bless you. In mm. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much for being here with me today. I appreciate your time and your ministry. Ladies, we will see you again next week. Bye-bye. I hope that you've been encouraged or challenged in your faith today and that something we discussed prompts you to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. If it has, make sure you tell a friend so they can grow along with you. And if you or a friend would like to be a guest and share about God's faithfulness in your life, please email me at podcast at Because when we tell of God's faithfulness, we never run out of stories. Whatever is true, whatever is known,